One of the joys of writing gives you the ability to use the thesaurus uh, on in word. And many times, if you're like me, when you're uh, wanting to have fun with words or come up with new words, perhaps, um, the thesaurus can be a helpful tool to give you a greater emphasis, a, a, a better vocabulary. So, for example, um, if you want to use the word hurt, uh, you might want to change that to the word ache. It communicates better. Or happy. Uh, instead, you might use ecstatic. Or if you're wanting to express confused, you might say that you're flummoxed. Or who hasn't, when they're hungry, said that they're dying? Words help communicate how we feel. Poetry particularly helps to express emotion in a level that we can't with just prose, just basic uh, words. The psalmist used words to help communicate some of life's deepest hurts, deepest sorrows and agony and expression. In the psalm that we're going to think about this morning, David gives us an inspired vocabulary. Words that we can use to express our sorrow and sadness and agony to God. Many times in life we feel afraid to really tell God how we feel. We, we feel as if it's blasphemous to, to cry out in anger and frustration and sorrow. We think that we're somehow wrong to, to cry and to weep over sin or over sickness. We're, we're tempted to think that God wants us to put on a smiley face and be happy all the time. But the reality of life and of God's Word reflects a picture that is entirely different than what we pretend in the Psalms we see great sorrow and sadness. Inspired laments. A, a lament is a complaint or a, a crying out after God. And, and in the Psalms, we, we see many laments. Many times the psalmist is crying, sorrowful, screaming, if you will, at God, shouting, God, rescue me, save me. And in Psalm 6, David does just that. David gives us words to express our genuine sorrow and sadness. I invite you to turn with me to Psalm 6. Psalm 6. Page 449 in the Pew Bibles. You just open your Bible in the middle. You will find Psalms Quickly. Psalm 6. To the choir master with stringed instruments according to the Sheminith, a psalm of David. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? 
Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drenched my couch with with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. David is in pain. We can see clearly in this psalm that David is is in in great pain. But why is David in so much pain? What what hard circumstances of, of life have crushed upon David to bring him to this particular point in his life to cry out to God in the way that he does, to express himself in in such overwhelming and riveting words that he chooses in the psalm. As we look into the psalm and try to understand a little bit of the context, we don't really know for sure what exactly it was. For example, if you look at verses 2 and 5, David seems to be struggling physically, some sort of physical suffering about David's sorrow. He says, heal me, O Lord, my, for my bones are troubled. In verse 5, he says, for in death there's no remembrance of you. Perhaps he's on the verge of dying and he's close to death. Or perhaps they're, 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 he speaks of these attacks by enemies. Look at, look at verses 7 and 10. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of my foes or my enemies. And then he turns there in verses uh, 8 to talk about workers of evil to get, get away from him. And then verse 10, all my enemies shall be ashamed. And, and so perhaps David is being attacked by enemies. David was no stranger to enemies. David was the king of Israel. Uh, David had many enemies. Remember in uh, Saul, the, the, the king before David, uh, was often trying to kill David. David's own son, Absalom. Tried to kill him. Uh, David was often uh, threatened by enemies and, and by foes, by evil. But it also could be, thirdly, spiritual. If you look at verses uh, 1, he, he says, Rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, for I am languishing. So it could be the fact that David is, is, is feeling the weight and pressure of sin. He, he's convicted over his sinfulness. He's recognizing that he's a sinner in need of a Savior. And, and he's crying out to God after him to save him from his sin. Now, it's hard, I think, to say what's one of these, physical or enemies or spiritual. I think it's all of them. Because, friends, trouble often accompanies trouble. We're suffering physically and we are overwhelmed by our sinfulness. We are perhaps suffering over our sin and sorrow of sin and we are being attacked by our enemies. God often uses those things in our lives uh, to help expose sin. If you're figured that why you suffer 
is so that perhaps God will work in you to expose sin. Expose your trust in yourself rather than God. And so what is he takes all your money away? A great way to lose everything. When you lose everything, you really recognize who you're trusting. Are you trusting in yourself or are you trusting in God? And so this morning, if, if perhaps uh, it's physical suffering, perhaps it's an enemy, genuinely having an enemy, your, your family, your neighbor, your coworker, someone trying to, to do you harm. Perhaps it's spiritual this morning. Whatever it is, this particular psalm is meant for you and for me. What we learn in this psalm, what is the point of this psalm as Christians, is that, is that we have permission to rightly express our deepest emotions to God in prayer. We get right here in this psalm the license to complain. The license, the, the, the freedom to cry out to God and to voice our sorrow to Him. We heard in the, the reading in Romans that the Spirit helps us in our prayer lives because sometimes we don't know how to really express how we feel. Perhaps if you've ever been to that point of sorrow where, where you just feel like you just were, like you can't get anything out, you're hurt, your pain, it hurts so bad. The hurt is so much and so great. That words just can't come out of you. Well, friends, these words are meant for you and I to help us express our frustration, our sorrow over God's painful providence. Friends, I want you to know this morning that we believe in a God who is in control. If you're not a Christian this morning and you're just sort of thinking about God and thinking about uh, theology and things about God, I want you to know something. The Bible teaches us that God is in control of everything. That pain and sorrow and suffering are gifts from God. We recognize that they're from Him. We don't point the finger at others or at Satan. We ultimately know that God is in control. And so that when we experience pain and sorrow, we recognize it was the providence of God. who is His sovereign control over our lives. That He is intimately concerned about our lives. And He brings things into our lives for His glory and His purposes. And we trust that. And we believe in that. So how do we express sorrow and frustration with God's painful providence? How is it that we express the sorrow? Well, I think David uh, here gives us really just three, uh, three things, three ways that you and I can, uh, when we've had enough, when the pain has been too much for us to bear, uh, and we finally come to the point of expressing sorrow, David gives to us just really three things. So if you're taking notes, it's sort of, sort of three big points, and then a lot of little sub-points that uh, hopefully will help us think more about how to express sorrow. First, plead to God for mercy. Plead to God for mercy. In verses 1 through 5, David expresses a plea for mercy. He cries out after God, I've had enough. God, it's, it's enough. Be merciful to me. Stop, please. He, he cries out to God and he grounds his plea in the grace of God. 
So, so God's this plea for mercy that David has is a, is a plea uh, grounding in the grace of God. Da- David here it never appeals to his own goodness. He doesn't plead his case before God and say, Hey, God, you know, I'm better than this. I don't deserve this. This isn't fair. Why me and not? He doesn't do that. Friends, those things are sand. When we plead our own cases before God, we are not on firm grounds. When we stand before God and begin to think and, and number off how good we are or, or how it's not fair or, or how we don't deserve this, you know, we're good people, we are on really shaky ground. But if we ground ourselves and found ourselves in the grace of God, in the mighty fortress that He is, then we are on sure ground and we can know that God is merciful. David is appealing to the character of God, just like we saw last week. When we cry out to God, we are appealing to His character, to who He is. God's nature is to be merciful and gracious. Don't be confused. When you cry out to God, it isn't you convincing Him. It isn't you twisting His arm enough. He's like, oh man, I'm tired of you crying and I'm just, oh, stop. It's not that at all. It is his character to be gracious and merciful. David says as much in verse 4. Lord, turn, deliver me, save me for the sake of your steadfast love. Again, David is crying out and grounding all of his pleas for grace and mercy and deliverance in God's character. The word Lord itself is that covenant name. The covenant keeping God. The Lord, the Lord, strong and mighty. One we saw last week in Exodus 34. One who is gracious and merciful. You see also in our plead to God for mercy that it's okay to be afraid. David is terrified. Look with me in verse 3. He says, my soul also is greatly troubled. The New English translation translate that. I'm afraid. I'm scared. It's okay in the midst of suffering and sorrow to be afraid. David gives us the permission. God's word gives us the permission to be afraid. But the thing about fear is it's different than being afraid. Fear is different in that fear often is is you are you have no confidence. You're, you're scared in the sense that you, you don't trust. You don't know what's going to happen and you're unsure. David's fear here is different. It's, he's afraid. He, he genuinely doesn't know what's going to happen. And so he is trusting. He's terrified of his pain and sorrow. Literally, he says his bones are troubled. He's shaking in his boots, if you will. He's literally, physically sorrowful. The other thing we see here in David's uh, plea is that it's free to complain of his long delay. That we are free to complain about God's long delay. Look what he says in verse 3. He says, but you, O Lord, how long? Literally, how long is this going to last? Lord, how much longer is this going to happen? When is this going to stop, Lord? When when is it over with? When is this going to, please, when, over, when? 
Brother and sister, it is okay to want suffering to stop. It's okay not to want to suffer. Not to want to be sorrowful. It's okay. Just like we often are confused and think that, oh, we're just supposed to be happy all the time. Oftentimes we think that, you know, we, like, we're less than Christians if we don't want to suffer. Like, it's not wrong not to want to suffer. It's not long, wrong. He's expressing his desire to be freed from sorrow. But also here we see his appeal to God's love. In the plea for mercy, he is appealing to God's love. He's crying out to the steadfast love of God, this faithful love of God. And he cries out, relent, O Lord, in verse 4. Turn, stop it, God. That's really what he's saying there. He's saying, stop, please. I don't want it no more. Friends, it is helpful to know that God knows better. Sometimes we think we know what's best for our lives. We think we know, you know, this would be really good for me right now. But the truth is, God knows us better than we know ourselves. And sometimes allows us to suffer so that we will draw near to Him. Do you ever consider the sufferings of your life, the sorrow and pain of your life is meant for you to turn to God? To trust in Him? To, to see that He is your only need? That's what David is doing here. He is turning to God. He is drawing closer to God in His relationship to Him. He also, though, is reminding God that His purpose in life is to give Him glory. In verse 5, he says, For in death there is no remembrance of you, and Sheol, who will give you praise? Sheol, in this particular context, seems to mean death in the grave. Um, hey, God, nobody's singing your praises at the cemetery. God, don't kill me. I want to sing your praises. One of the things that's helpful in our plead for mercy is the need for genuine community. This is why church membership is so important. Because church membership gives us the covenant relationship by which we can encourage one another to plead to God for mercy. We can share our experiences of sorrow and pain and help others express themselves in the same way or in similar ways. You can't do that in a casual relationship. But in a covenant relationship, you can do that. You can, you can feel the weight of that. And you can help one another plead to God for mercy. Secondly, David expresses an emotional sorrow. So how do we respond to sorrow? We express it, emotions, our emotions. We, we express our emotional sorrow and frustration to God in prayer. We cry out to Him. David said he's worn out and tired and weary. I've been up all night, God. I spend every night crying, weeping. My crying is so much, I've soaked my bed. My couch is all wet. 
My bed's soaked. My clothes are soaked. That's a lot of crying. Literally, David says that every night I make my bed swim. That's literally what the Hebrew says there. He's swimming in his tears. There's so much tears that he, he's swimming. Literally, just there's that much going on. He's, he, he is broken man. He is weeping and weak and sorrowful. And he teaches us not to hide our sorrow. This is the king of Israel. This is, this is the man whom the, the people point to for godliness. And he is not afraid to cry out to God. He's not afraid to express his sorrow. He, he doesn't put the smiling face on when he goes into the temple. No, rather he writes a song for them to sing about his crying. About his weeping. Whatever your affliction. Whatever, whatever it is that is afflicting you today, take it to God in prayer. If deliverance is delayed, continue in prayer. David doesn't stop because God hasn't delivered him. David continues in prayer and steadfast crying and weeping and mourning because he knows God will answer. If deliverance is delayed, keep praying. Also, be honest to God about your hurt. David is honest with God here in verse 6. He is completely honest with him. God, I am weary with moaning. I have had enough. I am tired of crying. I am tired of weeping. I am done. I am I'm hurt. I'm finished. It is enough. My eyes are falling out of my head because I've cried so much. Swollen with because of his weeping and crying. Friend, it is better to weep now over your sin than to weep for eternity. David is mourning, weeping over his sin. He is sorrowful that he has rebelled against a holy and good God. One of the greatest ways you and I can express this kind of emotion is through hymns. Hymns are a great tool to help us express emotions. Both good, happy emotions, joyous emotions. And sorrowful emotions. Friend, it is not helpful when your songs, if you will, are always in major key. This is why we sing songs that are in minor key. Because sometimes life is sorrowful. Sometimes we need to cry and weep and have tears. And Christian, I want to remind you of something this morning. A lie that you've been told. You've been lied to. You've been told that God won't give you more than you can handle. That is not true. God will always give you more than you can handle. Every time. And in every circumstance. He will always give you more than you can handle. So that you will turn to Him 
and rest in his power and rely on him. God will always do that. Trust that, be sure, and learn to lean and rely on him. Trust him. Paul felt the same way. Remember, Paul was writing to the Corinthian church and telling them about his suffering and sorrow and his pain. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, the, you know, the elite guy, the super Christian dude, the guy that wrote like half the New Testament. And, and he cried out to God, God, take away the pain. Stop it. I'm done with it. And God said, no. No. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Oh, brothers and sisters, our weaknesses give us great boast in Christ. This is not the time to go and show off how good we are, but how sufficient Christ is. Our weaknesses are meant to expose us and demonstrate our need for Christ, for His work in our lives. Paul is running around town celebrating his weaknesses. He's running around town, running his mouth about how of a weakling he is. He's not going around, man, I'm, you know, I, I face, I'm facing this battle head on. I can do this. I'm, I got this. I don't have this. I'm weak. I'm helpless. I must rest in the power of Christ. When we do that, we make the gospel all the more glorious, all the more beautiful. It's a word to men. So I was thinking about this passage this week. It just struck me. Men, it is okay to cry. This is David the warrior. This is the guy who took lions and bears and he beat them up. This is the guy who defeated Goliath. This is the man's man. This is, this is, this is a tough dude. This is, this is no weakling here. He's a buff guy. I mean, he works out at the gym. He's, he's a tough guy. And he's crying. He's not putting a little tear down his face. He's soaking his bed at night. I mean, that's a lot of crying again. Look, I hear about stories and, and about stoic men. You know, I've never seen my father cry until blah, blah, blah. Well, fathers, husbands, you are not serving your family well if you're not teaching them how to weep. Your crying and weeping is actually teaching your children how to weep. It's teaching your grandchildren how to weep. That it's okay to be sad. And sorrowful. It's okay 
to feel pain and hurt. It's all right. It is okay. And it gives you the grounds by which you can express your trust in Christ. Friends, sometimes words are not enough. Words sometimes just do not express the kind of pain we're in. But tears do. They express our sorrow, our genuine sadness and agony. So by all means, cry, weep, and cry out to God. Third and finally, trust the Lord has heard your cries for help. Trust the Lord has heard your cries for help. David turns in verses 8 through 10 to a confident stance in God's power to deliver. He says confidently in verse 8 to his enemies, get away from me, depart from me, get out of here. And notice why. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. I have annoyed God enough with my cries that he was coming to deliver me. He is coming to rescue me. Get, get away from me. God is on his way. David here doesn't express the fact that God has delivered him yet. But he has this confident assertion that he will deliver him. He has this confident trust in future grace. He knows that that God is coming. Friends, this faith will dispel any kind of sadness in our hearts. This faith in God will dispel sadness in us. It it, it, it turns it, it it increases our our joy and happiness because we know our deliverer is on his way. The Lord will make haste to save us. In his perfect timing, we trust God will come. We know As David cries, that God hears and accepts our prayers. We don't pray to the ceiling. Praise God. We're not talking to ourselves when we pray. The eternal God of the universe who created this world and us hears us. I mean, think about that. God hears little old me. He wants to hear me. He wants to hear from me. God hears you. He he not only hears you here, oh, but He accepts you. He accepts you. Brothers and sisters, remember things do get better. Things do get better. The sun comes up again. It is sure. The warmth of the sun will shine again upon your soul. God will shine His love upon you. He will deliver you from sorrow. And we can trust also that God's justice will prevail over evil. David trusts that his enemies, which are real and true people who were attacking him, he trusts in God's justice. Friends, that's what we do. Which is why we don't get guns out and shoot our enemies. We trust God will have vengeance on those who hurt us. God will have vengeance. We can trust that. The innocent will have justice. And you can trust that. You can stake your claim on that. 
God is not mocked by our evil and rebellion. But this psalm points to greater sorrow and greater agony. This psalm, though we use to express our sorrow and sadness, was particularly on the lips of our Savior. Christ suffered the agony and sorrow of sin that was not his own, but was ours. There in the garden, does he sweat literal drops of blood? Does his capillaries burst under the strain of God's judgment? He wept and cried out in sorrow for us on our behalf. So that all those who would repent and turn from their sin and trust in him would be saved. Friend, if you're not a Christian this morning, I, I just invite you to trust in that Savior. To put your trust in Him and faith in Him. To turn away from your sin and to cling to Christ. Who wept and was sorrowful for you. Brothers and sisters, we have the confidence that Christ is making all things new. That the pain and sorrows that we face in this life are not the end. But that He is making a new heaven and a new earth. So I leave you this morning with Revelation 21. This is our hope. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. And He will wipe away every tear from their eye. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. We trust in this future grace of God. We trust in this vision that John saw is our future. So brother and sister, if you're in the midst of pain and sorrow this morning. Look up and put your gaze upon this future where God will wipe away and you will be with Him for eternity. Let's pray. God, we give You praise and glory. Father, we pray that You would bear fruit in our lives. That Your Word would Change us through your spirit. Help us, Father, to, to cry out to you. Father, give us words to express our sorrow. Give us tears to cry out after you. Let us not hold back from you, but, but express genuinely how we feel today. Perhaps our frustration. Perhaps our pain and sorrow. Father, let us weep before you. Let us cry to you for mercy and help. 
And give us the confidence to know that in Christ all things will be made well. For it is well with our soul. We give you praise and glory and ask that you do these things in Christ's name. Amen.